Welcome to the podcast, Estate Planning with Paul Rabelais, where we'll discuss the latest and simplest legal strategies and tactics available for you to protect your estate for yourself and your family, all in easy-to-understand terms. It's all about protecting your estate now, so you and your loved ones can reap the benefits later. And now your host, estate planning attorney, Paul Rabelais. Hey, so in this podcast, we're going to address what you or a surviving family member or family members should bring to their first visit with the probate attorney after the death of a loved one. Hey, everybody, Paul Rabelais here. I've been an estate planning attorney since 1991, long time, conducted a lot of settling the estate meetings. And so uh, just in an effort to <clears throat> educate you about, you know, what's the most efficient, most practical, what needs to be done, um, answer some of those questions and really focus on what you should bring when you have that first visit with the with the attorney. So just we'll use an example. Let's say mom passed away and maybe dad died years ago and she had three children. Maybe she had a will, maybe she didn't. Let's say she didn't have any kind of trust or probate avoidance, you know, mechanism there. And so she perhaps passed away a couple of weeks ago. Maybe the death certificates are in. Maybe they're not. Doesn't matter. But the family feels like, hey, you know, it's it's time to, to meet with the attorney and start talking about getting the estate settled. Um, perhaps the surviving family members realize some accounts were frozen, they can't sell the real estate, perhaps they can't sell a vehicle that was in mom's name, and so they know they need to get with an attorney and get the process rolling. So they call up the attorney of their choosing, they schedule an appointment, and now it's time to go in. What do they bring? Well, um, there's maybe three or four important, really important things that... um, the attorney have access to so that uh, a productive meeting can take place and things can get rolling. One of the things that you think it would be obvious, but people often don't bring it in, is the last will and testament of the person who died. So you definitely want to bring that in. Um, Met with someone recently. I said, well, you know, his father had died. I said, did you bring your dad's will? He said, no, I thought I'd come in and see what we need to do first before I started, uh, you know, putting paperwork together. Well, the the way the will is worded really dictates um, the steps that need to take place. So if the attorney doesn't um, have access to the will, then it's impossible to develop, uh, put together, convey, communicate a plan that would get the entire estate settled. Some people think there's going to be some kind of formal reading of the will when somebody passes away. To me, that's more for television and the movies where everybody goes into the lawyer's office, sits around the big conference room table, and the lawyer pulls out the will and he starts reading it word for word. Just never has happened that way. A lot of this stuff is just done through paperwork that gets copied and gets submitted to everybody, and plus um, a reading of a typical will is going to be really boring because a lot of the language in a will, um, lay people don't understand it. A lot of it is not applicable based on the circumstances that were in effect when the person died. You know, you could have a 
a 15-page will, but the main relevant provisions would be the provisions that say something like, I leave my estate to my children and I name my children as co-executors. And then the rest of the 14.9 pages um, is really, I don't want to say useless or legal, legal gobbledygook, but in, in certain circumstances, you know, a, a lot of what is written in wills is designed to cover some what-ifs, some contingencies that, that don't often occur or circumstances that might not be relevant. But it is really important that you bring the will into the very first meeting with the attorney. In fact, when someone doesn't bring in the will, but they said, yeah, I, uh, I saw it a couple of years ago. I know what it says. Uh, and then I ask them a couple of questions about what the will says, and I rely on their answers. And then when we see the will, it says something different, sometimes entirely different. So... It's really important to bring in the will because oftentimes, at least in our case, and this is all that we do, we're able, while while that first meeting is taking place, once we see the will and, and talk to the parties and know what the will says, we can often start preparing some of the legal pleadings that, that are necessary to open the probate or succession. But again, can't do any of that without the original will. Gonna want to bring in the actual original will, the one that the person actually signed. Maybe it was signed in blue ink. Maybe there's some kind of notary seal that you can tell it's the original. If you don't bring in the original, at least bring in a photocopy of the original so a plan can be developed as to what has to take place. So bring in the will. Second thing to bring in is really any other relevant estate documents. Some people have a trust. Some couples have a prenup. Um, sometimes prior probate documents are necessary. Maybe if mom inherited things a certain way from dad, or if mom inherited a certain way, uh, uh, certain things a certain way from her parents, um, we need to see all of those prior probate documents to accurately portray you know, what mom owned when she died. So from a legal document perspective, I'd say if it looks important, bring it and then let the attorney and and his or her staff sort through it to determine what, what is relevant and, uh, you know, what needs to be copied and, and, and maintained by the attorney. A third thing that's important to bring in is a list of assets and debts of the person who passed away. They're likely to own some real estate. They're likely to own some bank accounts. Maybe they own some stock or have some brokerage accounts. Maybe they have some vehicles. You're going to want to bring in all of the documentation on what they owned. Even, for example, let's take a, a married couple. Husband dies and wife comes in. And, and we even need to oftentimes to see the account information on accounts there that are in her name even though they're only in her name, they may uh, the deceased husband may have had a community property interest, so it needs to be listed on the formal list of assets and debts. Another one of those things, if it looks important and looks like it might be relevant, bring it. And then the fourth and final piece to this, what do you bring in on the first meeting with the probate lawyer discussion is you want to make sure you bring what I call all the decision makers. 
go back to our example, mom died, mom had three children, and so maybe just one or two of the children bring in the information to meet with the lawyer, and uh, the third child is not present and on a conference call, isn't uh, maybe even lives in another state. So he didn't come in. Well, I, you know, the attorney talks to the one or the two, and, and those one or two children don't feel like they can proceed without the participation, cooperation, permission, whatever you want to call it, of the third child who's not there. So the two children leave the office. They call the third child from another state. They start telling that third child, you know, what the lawyer said. The third child asks a couple of questions that the present children can't answer. Delay, 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 frustration, frustration, frustration. And it's kind of got to start all over again to get that third heir, that third child in the loop. So really important in order to, to, to make the best use of everyone's time and, and the time of the participants, the time of the attorney, that all of the participants in a case like this where mom died with three children, it's important that all three children participate in that first meeting with the lawyer because if the lawyer's any good, he's going to you know, evaluate all of the terms of the will, the assets, the debts, uh, everything that's relevant and involved, and then lay out a plan to get everything settled from start to finish. And if all of the participants uh, can hear that, then in most circumstances, they're going to be ready to move forward because they've got a plan and they want to get it taken care of. But when one doesn't participate, it just slows things down and frustrates, you know, everybody that's involved. So really all of those decision makers, even if one or more of the participants lives or in another state can't uh, participate physically, then perhaps, you know, having uh, a conference call where maybe one or two of the participants are present in the room, another one or two um, being able to hear every word, get questions asked and answered on a conference call really is an efficient way to um, get the estate settlement started off on the right foot. So there you have it. Uh, really important four things. I categorize it into four, you know, four things. Bring the will, bring other relevant estate documents, bring a list of assets and debts, and make sure you bring all the participants that are involved so that decisions can be made to get started. So there you have it. Um, uh, wish you well in all those future endeavors. Um, I say go over to YouTube and uh, check out my channel, like, comment, subscribe, whatever you want to do there. And I uh, hope this helps you get things taken care of. I'm Paul Rabelais. Have a great day.